This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. If you're the CEO of an American company, chances are you want your company to grow. And growing generally means a few things. Expanding into new businesses, branching into new fields, and especially buying other companies. One of the largest companies in the world, AT&T, has followed this playbook religiously. But now that strategy is coming back to haunt it. The company is facing a threat from one of its own investors. Today on the show, a bigger is better strategy built American companies. Now, that same strategy has set one up for a reckoning. Welcome to The Journal, our daily show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, September 24th. So I'm excited for this because I obviously used to cover telecom. You used to be my editor. Right, And you just ask me questions about my stories. Now the tables are turned, huh? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Marcelo Prince is my old boss and the Wall Street Journal's corporate bureau chief. AT&T is one of the biggest corporations the journal covers, and its CEO is a man named Randall Stevenson. He's had the job for over 12 years. He was actually preparing to step aside, right? And he was thinking as soon as next year of handing over the top job. After a long career, Stevenson was preparing to leave behind the legacy of transforming AT&T until one day earlier this month. All of a sudden, he gets a phone call on a Sunday afternoon uh, that he wasn't expecting. And who's on the other line? It's this young hedge fund manager named Jesse Cohn who works at one of the biggest activist investors on Wall Street called Elliott Management. Elliott Management had invested a lot of money in AT&T, But Elliot isn't just any investor. It's an activist investor. It hunts for companies that it thinks aren't performing well and then makes big bets on them. And when a CEO gets a call like this from an investor like that, they know it's not good news. And basically he lets them know, we've taken a big stake in your company. You know, we're going to release a letter tomorrow that's going to be critical of your history. But... We want to be constructive. We want to look forward. We want to work together. Elliot was about to put AT&T's recent history under a microscope. And its recent history has a lot to do with Randall Stevenson. Randall Stevenson is almost a a typical AT&T executive. He's someone who grew up in the company. He started there 37 years ago. And he rose through the finance department, ended up CFO before he became the CEO. When Stevenson was coming up in telecom, AT&T was a shadow of its former self. It had been a government-approved monopoly, but in 1984, it was broken up into seven companies, the Baby Bells. And then the consolidation began again. One of those Baby Bells started buying up all of the others, and Stevenson was along for the ride. He rose through the ranks as what was then a small regional phone company started swallowing up other small phone companies and recreating sort of a national player. 
He gets promoted along the way and then ultimately takes over right after the last big deal. So a company called Bell South and a company called SBC get together and they form the new AT&T. And he becomes CEO literally six months after that deal. Stevenson took over as CEO in 2007, just as AT&T was cementing its position as one of the largest telecom companies in the country. And Stevenson wanted to make it even bigger. I mean, it was a landline phone company. It was a cell phone company. And I remember one of the first things that he did as CEO was try to keep going down that path by buying T-Mobile, which at that time was the fourth largest wireless carrier. Yeah, they did try to buy T-Mobile, and the regulators actually blocked it, saying it was anti-competitive. When Stevenson was blocked from buying T-Mobile, it changed the equation on his strategy for growth. For the first time, buying another phone company wasn't an option. So to keep growing, he turned elsewhere. When he realizes there's not going to be a wireless deal, they shift. They start looking into the media world. And Stevenson went on a buying streak. First, AT&T gobbled up DirecTV, the satellite TV company, for $49 billion. And then it moved on to an even bigger deal. It bought Time Warner for $81 billion. AT&T was a phone company. But now, among other things, they had a movie studio, a cable news channel, CNN, and HBO, a crown jewel of television. So they didn't want to just be the pipes, if you want to say, or the wireless and wired connections. They wanted to own the content that was going over all those connections. They had seen, and the other telecom companies had seen, companies like Google and Netflix make all kinds of money off delivering information over the networks that these guys owned, and they wanted to get a piece of the content as well. By the time the acquisition streak was over, Stevenson had radically transformed AT&T from a telecom giant into a bona fide conglomerate. It's gone from literally a regional phone company to a company that is now one of the biggest media companies in this country on scales of companies like Disney. It is also the biggest pay TV provider, bigger than Comcast. It's also building a streaming service that wants to take on companies like Netflix. And at the same time, it's still got this wireless business with 70 or 80 million customers that it's competing with companies like Verizon and T-Mobile. So it's got its hands in like all these different markets. This was the same strategy that some of Stevenson's competitors were using too. If you look at Comcast, it looks a lot like AT&T does now. Mm. It's a cable company. It owns NBC Universal. It owns Sky, which is a satellite company. And Disney is not just running theme parks and movie studios anymore, right? Facebook is not just social network anymore. Mm-hmm. And why was being a conglomerate and being big the right strategy in Stevenson's view? I think he saw that he had set up this company for the next wave of technology. In other words, it was no longer relying on just selling you a phone line or a cell phone plan. It was also going to be able to create this streaming service. It was also able to adapt to a world where the lines really have blurred, right? It's not so clear who's a telecom these days and who's a media company these days, Mm -hmm. right? Disney and Apple are going to sell their own video services. You have companies like Facebook and Google getting into wireless. So I don't think the idea that you could stay in your swim lane and no one else was going to jump in Mm -hmm. that part of the pool has definitely been questioned. And he was trying to set up the company for a world where these lines are blurred and everyone's competing with everyone else. 
Stevenson's legacy was built on that idea of getting out of your swim lane. That was his entire strategy as CEO. But when his phone rang earlier this month, that man from Elliot on the other end, Jesse Cohn, threw that approach into question. It was a brief phone call, and by all accounts, it was cordial. And it's not unusual for Elliot. They will give a heads up to the CEOs of companies that they are uh, investing in. And what does a call like this mean to someone like Randall Stevenson? It's a challenge, right? It's a challenge to his legacy. It's a questioning of his strategy. It's hard to see it as anything other than a repudiation of the direction Randall Stevenson has been taking the company. After the break, the direction Elliot wants to take AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. When Elliott Management takes a big stake in a company, it pushes hard for changes. If those changes wind up working, then the company's stock goes up and Elliott can make a lot of money. But what sets Elliott apart from other activist investors is just how aggressively they lobby companies to change. They fought battles in, against dozens of companies all over the world. They fought with eBay and many other tech companies. They went after Samsung. And oftentimes they can get bruising and, and they will personally take on CEOs and often call for them to get removed. In one case, Elliot fought with this Australian mining giant, and they, they took out billboards all over Australia, including where the CEO could see it from his office, and it had a giant message. Uh, I think the campaign that the uh, mining company had was something like, think big. And Elliot came out with billboards that said, think smart. And they've also taken on what might seem very unusual targets, like the country of Argentina. Right. And that's sort of what made their reputation. They spent 15 years fighting for Argentina to make good on bonds that it had defaulted. And ultimately, they, they won. It was a court fight. They won. Taking on big targets like a mining company and Argentina was good practice for its next target, AT&T. Elliot had been watching AT&T for months after the Time Warner deal, and they had concerns about its bigger-is-better strategy, especially the acquisitions. The day after the call, Elliot released a letter that made those concerns public. 
So the activist investor, Elliott Management, is putting the pressure on AT&T. Strong. They bought a big chunk of it. They disclosed it this morning, a $3.2 billion stake. They want to see more value out of AT&T, so they're asking AT&T to start selling off some assets. And, and I quote, returns have been disappointing. That's what Elliott Management said. They also have- They had this call, but the call didn't really have much of the details. It wasn't until they got the letter Monday morning that they saw exactly the case Elliott was making. Was the letter anything like the phone call? Was it was it as cordial as the phone call? The tone was measured, but the message was pretty harsh. So it's basically questioning whether they have the right strategy and whether the right people are in charge. So we have the letter here, um, which when I was going to look it up, I was amazed at how they actually, Elliot, bought the top search position on Google. So if you Google this letter, there's an ad for a website called Activating AT&T, where you can get this. Yeah. In the letter, Elliot questioned Stevenson's strategy of growing so big. They zeroed in on some of the acquisitions he had made and suggested making some cuts. DirecTV, they highlight it, along with other assets that AT&T has, as something they should review. In other words, are these things strategic to our long-term strategy? Mm -hmm. And to put it more bluntly, should they be owning it at all? Correct. Should they sell it? What's happened with DirecTV is that it's eroded, but especially in the last couple of years. AT&T paid $49 billion for it. Um, bankers say now it would be worth about half that much. Mm-hmm. So, And what is it that they say about Time Warner? On Time Warner, they, they praise the assets. They say HBO and um, Warner Brothers are great assets. And they just say, you haven't really given a great reason for why you need to own it. This criticism wasn't new to AT&T. The Time Warner deal had raised some eyebrows at the time because AT&T was going beyond the business it knew, cell phones, and moving into one that it didn't, entertainment. After AT&T took over, there were several senior executives at Time Warner who left, some of which is not surprising. The CEO left after the deal. But the head of HBO, Richard Plepler, left. The head of Turner left. And it is a war for talent, and there's fear that they are putting in on this creative entertainment company Telecom was a utility, basically, right? They sent you a bill, and they're worried that if you kind of put that culture on top of a media company, um, you're going to stifle the creative people or you're going to lose some of these. More broadly, in its letter, Elliot also challenged the bigger-is-better strategy that AT&T has employed. For instance, it pointed to one of AT&T's competitors that hasn't grown so much. One of the points they make is that AT&T and Verizon kind of used to look like each other 10 Mm. years ago. And nowadays, Verizon is still very much a wireless company, and AT&T is now this sort of media conglomerate. And Verizon has done much better. Yes, over the longer period, yeah. And I think they raise the question that most companies these days are not trying to build conglomerates. They want to be focused and uh, small and nimble. Now, when Elliot diagnoses problems with AT&T, it has its own interests in mind. One criticism of activist investors like Elliot is they do whatever they need to get the company's stock price up, and then they sell. And just because an activist owns part of a company doesn't mean they can suddenly dictate exactly what the company does. It's all dependent on whether the activists can get other people on board. They need enough consensus, either from investors or the company itself, to actually force change. It isn't clear yet if Elliot will get that consensus. Immediately after AT&T received the letter, its response was ambiguous. Later that day, 
AT&T came out with a statement just basically saying, you know, we'll talk to Elliot and, you know, we're already doing a lot of what they want, but we think our strategy is the best strategy. And then the following week... Uh, the company, just give us your, your perspective and what would you say to the audience about where... Uh, sure. Where you are on the Elliott announcement. Randall Stevenson takes the stage at a Goldman Sachs conference. The comments were recorded on a phone line. From our view, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Uh, there are some things in the letter that we look at and say, you know, makes a lot of sense. And uh, we, we need to, to push further and, and, and talk about it. There are some other areas you look at it, and as you would guess, it's not quite as clear in terms of how that would make sense for, for us. But, uh, I mean, look, these are smart guys, right? And, uh, Initially, guys. there was some evidence that AT&T might consider at least one piece of Elliott's advice. Just weeks after the letter came out... So we're seeing AT&T shares higher as it considers parting ways with its DirecTV unit. Reports indicated that AT&T might sell or spin off DirecTV. That business pressure from investor Elliott Management that owns a $3.2 billion stake in the company. But there's still a possibility that AT&T does nothing, that they successfully fight the activist. In fact, this week, AT&T told the Wall Street Journal that it likely would not sell DirecTV and emphasized how key DirecTV is to the company's strategy. It'll be a long time before we know who's right, whether Randall Stevenson's legacy will be seen as a success, or if Elliot's opinion that bigger isn't always better will win out. I think one lesson is just this eternal question of whether conglomerates make sense. Are you better off being diversified and being able to manage swings in different markets? Or are you better off being a focused company that's paying attention to one area and one area alone? Mm -hmm. Every business has its own appetite and hunger to survive and expand. So it wants to get bigger. There's no business that wants to shrink. Right. And I think that's sort of the tension that you come up against. At some point you get really big and are you, is that better or worse? That's all for today, Tuesday, September 24th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.